All right, well, we are going to begin. It is 2 o'clock sharp, and so we'll begin our 2 o'clock breakout. And uh, my name is Rob Stennett. I'm the creative director here at New Life Church. And I'm Brandon Shoup, and I'm the communications director here at New Life. And uh, we're, we'll go ahead and pray, and then we can begin. Father God, Lord, we thank you so much for the pastors, the worship leaders, Lord, the church teams, everyone who's here spending a couple of days in Colorado, Lord, to get to know you more, Lord, to come closer to you, Lord, and that you would breathe life into everyone's churches, Lord. We pray that you'd be in the middle of this workshop, Lord. Give us new insight and vision. In your name, amen. All right. Well, this is... Um uh, yeah, that's awesome. Ooh. So you guys are getting the wrong end. That's all right. No, that's a, that's a little sneak preview. It's like I'm lost when they yeah. go to the very last scene and then they <laughs> flash back to the beginning. That's what just happened. All right. Well, uh, my, like I said, my name's Rob Stinton. As the creative director here, uh, I get one question pro when I meet different people who do something to do with media and different things. Uh, I get one question more common than any other question, and that question is this. Tell me how you do announcements. That's kind of the first question that I get. I, I want to talk. We do big a big Christmas production, have 20,000 people come see it. We do a big Easter production. We do a lot of documentary films. We do different things. And people are like, blah, blah, blah. Tell me how you do announcements. <laughs> and so uh, that's the most common question that we get. So the first thing that we're going to do is I'm going to kind of talk through our announcement process and kind of what we do. And uh, it starts with the philosophy. And so we start with step one of that philosophy is people can only process so much. Uh, that's our first kind of philosophy that we go into it. And so uh, yeah, you can go ahead and go to the next slide there, Dirk. Uh, and so the first idea is people can only process so much. Everyone is really busy. People have lots of lives. People have kids. They're taking kids to soccer practice and everything else. So I think it's really important as pastors, media leaders, and everything else to realize that church is only a sliver of what is happening in someone else's life. So when we communicate to them, we have to realize we can throw a bunch of stuff at them, but they're only going to remember so much. And so we want to be pick very carefully the things that we choose to communicate and share with everyone. And so the announcement, uh, I, I mean, what happens to me is uh, we do the, something called the thorn, and so it's a big Easter show, and I get to go every year and travel to a few different churches, and I go and I sit in their service like I'm a first-time visitor. And what happens usually is they'll play the video announcements, or I'll pick up the video, or I'll pick up the bulletin and kind of look at that. And as that's happening, if there's three, four announcements I can follow, but have you ever been to the church before where there's like nine announcements? It's kind of like that movie that you go to, and you see like nine previews in a row, and by the end of all the previews, you're like, I forgot what movie I went to come totally. see. That's what too many church announcements feels like. If there's too many things, it's completely disorienting. You're like, I'm lost, I'm whatever else. So really important step is to realize people can only process so much. Do you want to? Yeah, and I, I think the only thing I'd add to that is the idea that just because you can do something doesn't mean that you should do something. I mean, for instance, our, I actually just had our web guys this morning take off like 15 announcements that were on our page that just didn't make sense for the whole organization. And plus, we felt like we would be hypocrites for you guys, like, walk out of this and they go, oh, yeah, and you can have 15 announcements and you go to our site and there's like 30. So, uh, so yeah, just because you can do something doesn't mean that you should. And the more that you say, sometimes you're actually, you're, you're diluting your message so much that you're actually not saying anything. And the idea is to communicate clearly and effectively. And so step two along with that, once you realize people can only process so much, is then you have to make the tough decision. Everyone say decision. Say it like you mean it, decision. Yes, the tough decision. And so you have to decide what's most important. And a lot of times that will come from you as the lead pastor or if, the, if you have a team that will come from the team. But some group of people have to decide what's most important. It's like we can't communicate everything. We can't do it, everything. So what's most important? We just had a meet, off-site meeting with our uh, what we call the core team here at New Life. And so that's pretty much everyone who's involved in all the different ministries. It's someone from women's ministry, someone from men's ministry, someone from the children's, from youth ministry, from media ministry, from all, uh, all the different ministries that we do. And everyone has a lot of stuff that they're really excited about, but everyone 
uh, just last week took a whole day to say, okay, here's our calendar. We have to kind of hash this out and decide what's most important. For us, Pastor Brady will sometimes trump and say, hey, this is what's most important, but we decide this is the thing that you're going to need to know most, okay? And so uh, that for us is kind of gives us the rubric of like, okay, so now what do we communicate? And so the next thing that we do is we give everything a place. Step number three is give everything a place. And so once you've decided all of this is important, this has to be announced, then we give everything a place. And what we do is we do the different, we have different tiers of events. And so because we have so many different events, we have four tiers of events. Do you want to elaborate on that? Yeah, a little bit. So tier one is an all-hands-on-deck deal. So everybody in our church is gonna, that's on staff is required to beat these things. It means that that, mean, that event means that it is uh, all church impact. It also has some kind of regional influence. So, so, so this conference is a tier one event for us. Um, the, the Thorn, which is our Easter production, is a tier one event for us. Any of our conferences, any of our major regional um, events qualify as that. And so nothing else can be scheduled in the building. I mean, we don't have any small groups. We don't have anything else going on in the building during a tier one event. And we're actually in the process, by the way, um, of figuring out how to effectively create a communications plan that also matches these tiers. So we've got a tier one event. We know this is coming up. Basically, we should know a year in advance. So how do we communicate effectively in the, in the interim so that we make sure that we get that. So then tier two is something that's sort of an all-church event but doesn't necessarily have regional impact. And then tier three and tier four just kind of go down the line. Um, so tier four is something that would be like, you know, a special deal that the men's breakfast is going to do on a Tuesday morning or something like that. It may be a regular occurrence, but it's certainly not a church-wide deal. It's certainly not something that we need to spend all kinds of, of energy and resources on. Does that make sense? And a really important thing is the executive team will decide that, and that helps protect us because we say, okay, this is a tier one event, so we put the marketing behind that. And so once we know what all the events are, then we do step four, which is make a plan, and we utilize all our communication channels. I think for most churches, uh, these are pretty similar, but our four are website, video announcements on Sunday morning, we do, a, uh, vi we do a print bulletin. We kind of went away from that for a time, but we found a print bulletin is um, sort of a way that we can do some of the more minor things that are like, hey, there's a youth lock-in or whatever else like that, just some of the uh, quick things that we want to get on that. And then number uh, four is social media. So web, video on Sundays, a print bulletin, and social media. And on our web page primarily, our, our tier one and tier two events, which are our main highlighted events, those are what you'll see on our homepage of our website. And then we have different individual pages where the youth ministry can put everything that's going on, the children's ministry can put everything that's going on, but sometimes there's so much that happens just in those ministry alone, it can kind of overwhelm Sunday morning. So we, we, once we have everything tier, we kind of make a communications plan for those things. Yeah, and then you'll see some of that stuff on your table. So the, we've got an example of this week's bulletin on your tables, and then we've also got an example of our New Life magazine, uh, which right now is a biannual production. We're talking about going to a quarterly production. Uh, my art director over here is getting cold sweats when I say that. But, uh, but there's also a time frame to those things. So the one thing that you didn't mention is the magazine, but that's um, that's a longer range communication tool. So when we know about something up, up ahead of time or there's something that's, that's really a big deal, we'll write an article or we'll highlight those things as well. So you've got, not only do you have different channels, but you've got a different uh, spectrum of time that we use as well for those things. And so another thing that happens in the magazine is we have different articles that kind of tell stories. And that's was the talk of this section was tell your church's story. I kind of wanted to get the announcements things out of the way. We'll have Q&A at the end if you have more questions about that. But what I believe is really exciting as communications and creative people is not to tell the what, but the why. The result of what happens in people's, uh, in, in people's homes and people's lives and everything else. So what I want to do for a moment is show you a video. What we do sometimes is, call, is something called New Life Stories, where we pick a different story and we just share something that's happening here at the church. So here's a story that we did, I think, last month or the month before, and this is the Chris Cordero one, Derek. Um, 
I mean, growing up, I've always played contact sports, and I started, you know, defining those skills from a young age. I had I have two older brothers, so um, roughhousing and, and uh, Friday nights with, you know, football and, and wrestling. For me, I could I could go out there, control the situation, and um, win. It was a three-day tournament in Sepulpa, Oklahoma, and. The rest of my teammates pretty much were all beaten out of the tournament, so I was the last uh, member there. This guy was a senior, 277 pounds. He was at the peak weight. Um, I was a sophomore. I wasn't intimidated by any means, but I didn't know anything about him. I, I, I initially knew that uh, I would not be able to pin him. He was way too strong, and I knew that my, my win would have to come from points. And in my book, a win is a win. And so um, as I'm trying to escape and uh, get away from him, he threw a shoulder in my back, which whipped me forward and sent my collision for landing on my head. So um, as that happened, I landed on my head with all his weight and all my weight, and I folded my neck in a way that wasn't supposed to bend. I knew instantly um, the, the collision was violent. It reminded me of you know going from 150 miles an hour to a dead stop without even skidding. Um, I could feel everything break. I could feel the, the crumble, the loud noises. And I heard the noises on the, and, and felt the noises on the inside that nobody else heard on the outside. So I went into surgery. They waited till the next day and they couldn't fix my neck by just a cervical traction. I remember that feeling of hopelessness. I remember that feeling of, I could pass away and I'm okay. I, I almost had like no more fight in me left. I knew anything that came from, anything more that could come out of me would have to be through God. I, I didn't have any fight left in me. When the doctors informed Chris he was a quadriplegic and would never walk again, he felt hopeless. But one moment in rehab, watching another patient's struggles dramatically affected his perspective. His children were crawling over him and he was, he was brain dead and he wouldn't get better. And I just thought, you know, what I deal with is nothing compared to that wife, you know, who has to, you know, care for her husband and raise her children, and he's not even talking. Over the next few years, Chris graduated high school and went to college. While he was there, he met a girl unlike anyone he'd ever known before. I met Laurel um, through her cousin. Um, me and her cousin were just visiting, and um, she's like, well, you should meet my cousin. She's coming into town for my graduation. And I was like, all right. So we met and kind of ditched her cousin for, uh, you know, we went to her graduation, of course, you know. I don't know, it just never really bothered me. I was never really put off by his wheelchair when I did meet him. I thought he was a really cool guy. Poor Chris had something stuck in his teeth the first time I met him. So I spent more time looking at that than the chair. Well, Chris told me the third day that we met that he loved me. And um, then from there on, it was just like, when are we getting married? We get up every day, you know, to start our day. I get up at 5.45 and I have staff that come, you know, they come in and help me. The, the kind of woman she is, is she gets up 45 minutes before me. She makes sure that I'm ready for my day. She prays for me. And so that's just a little glimpse of what kind of person. She sacrifices valuable sleep to help me get ready. My official title is the Dream Team Director at New Life, and it's my job to help coordinate and facilitate the 1,800 plus volunteers at New Life. Chris is a great connector. If you need something, Chris knows somebody. He will get you connected with them. He's just really great at um, bringing strengths out in people, talking and genuinely listening and remembering details, and then going back and helping them and getting them connected. For me, it's, it's exciting because I believe everybody has abilities that can be brought to the body of Christ. I mean, even for me, um, not having the use of my hands, being quadriplegic, things like that, I still have abilities that can be used and uh, utilized. You know, Jesus didn't promise that this life would be easy. Life is way too short to be living with the burden of unforgiveness and uh, not fulfilling your life. And so regardless of what's happened in your life, I, I believe anybody um, can choose and you know, through Christ, overcome and forgive and move forward.
So that is the story of Chris Cordero. You've probably seen him around here. He is our dream team coordinator. And so um, he came on staff in the spring and um, <coughs> he was just really willing to share his story. And I feel like when we talk about sharing our church's story, really our church is made up of a collection of people. And the more that we can share the stories of the people within our church, the more that we can understand um, sort of who each other are. And so a couple of big ideas there. First of all, on that story, uh, just a few production things. One, it was important to me to start with a close-up of Chris, to sort of really, so you're kind of getting to know his face, but you're not, you just look at him as a normal guy, whatever else, you don't realize the sort of trauma that his body's been through. And so after the wrestling match scene, that's when we go and we cut to the wide, and that's the first time you see him in the wheelchair. And so part of, and the part of the reason that I do that is uh, my first point of why uh, stories connect well, which is stories let you experience life transformation. It's one thing for Chris to tell you that story or if someone else kind of tells you that story, like, oh, did you hear Chris? He has a cool story, whatever else. But when you watch that video, you get to see, you, you feel it a little bit. You know what I mean? You feel what it was like. I mean, I heard, when, I mean, we debated actually. Chris told me, he's like, I have footage of the accident on YouTube. And I was like, oh my gosh, can we show that? But, uh, w but it, was, it was not graphic, it was nothing else. And it was really like, this was a really difficult time. And so when you see that clip, and when you see that footage of, or those pictures of him in the hospital, you experience uh, the tragedy that you went to. You, I mean, he was a high school football player, he was a wrestler, he was an athlete. Athletics defined his life. And then he went through that sort of experience. So when we don't just when we w don't just get told the story, but we get to see the story, then we experience the story, we feel the story. And when that happens, uh, that lets us really sort of understand the life transformation that underwent in Chris, which is he went from a high school kid to you know such a difficult, difficult experience. He had that moment in the hospital where he saw that, and he was telling me this, that's actually when he told me that story, he thought we weren't rolling. And he, he said, he started telling me this story of, Rob, I gotta tell you, everything clicked for me because one day uh, I was sitting in rehab and this, this guy was there and his kids were crawling all over him and I thought this guy's never going to be able to hold his kids and he's just bawling as he told the story and Tim DeMay, our cameraman, was still rolling and I, uh, so lesson there, always roll, even yeah. when, because <laughs> what happens sometimes is they, you tell it and then you say cut and then people are like, okay, I can really tell you what happened now and you're like, no, no, save that for the camera and so anyway, Tim knows always roll and so uh, anyway, but I asked him afterwards, I was like, I was like, Chris, that was such an incredible story, can we use that? And he was like, yeah, absolutely, because sometimes the camera will make people a little stiff and uncomfortable and uh, our job is to just kind of get them to forget, I, when people come on camera, I say, forget Forget the camera, forget everything else here, just talk to me, tell me your story. It's just me and you, tell me your story. Um, and so when people tell the story, that it lets you experience uh, events and life transformation. Any, yeah. any thoughts on that? Well, I mean, the next point is that stories turn strangers into neighbors. And um, there's a, a guy named Andrew Lester. He wrote a book called Hope in Pastoral Counseling. And admittedly, this is the only thing I remember about the book, so sorry. But the, the quote's fantastic. He says, human beings only understand their lives within the context of story. And if you were to listen to, if you were to go to New York City and go to Brooklyn and hang out with a Hasidic Jewish family and listen to them tell their children about the Exodus, you would swear that it, it happened to their grandparents. Not something that's thousands of years ago, but like 50 years ago, because they understand story. They tell story. That's how they define themselves, how we define ourselves in the context of story. So it's, it's one thing to give information. It's another thing to tell your story. And, and for this story particularly, like when, when Chris came on staff, I didn't know him at all. I just, I was like, oh, that's like a guy in the wheelchair. I, I wonder if, I don't know if he was paralyzed. I don't know if he, you know, was, was born. I have no idea what it, what it was. But um, I was asking him, we were talking a little bit, and he sent me an email, and literally the email said, boom, and then that link to that. And I was like, holy smokes. Like, but he's cool with it. And, and after watching that, after seeing that, and, let it, and him letting me into his story, like, he's my favorite guy on staff just about. I love this guy, and we get along great. He's just super warm, super friendly. But unless I know those things about his story, like, I don't have the opportunity to interact on a, on a meaningful level. And there's always that sort of like, well, hey, wh what do I do with this? And we do that, whether, whether someone's in a wheelchair or not, we do that with one another. We, we kind of have this, oh, well, I, I sort of know them, I sort of don't, but when, we, when they open up and when we open up and tell story, we go from, from, from strangers 
to neighbors. And uh, Chris, like I said, is our dream team coordinator, which is, that's our volunteer system. And so he coordinates 1,800 volunteers. That's what he said on the video. And, um, but for all those volunteers that he deals with now, they, there's like a connection right away. They saw the video, they want to come talk to him. He, we have something called New Life Next, which happens in here once a month. And it's just our reception for people who are new to give us vision, history, kind of who we are as a church. And one of the things we have in that night is, hey, if you, if you want to really get plugged in and volunteer, well, you can connect with Chris. And so after that video played, there was an influx of volunteers. And so what, that video was not a, hey, come volunteer at New Life video, but it just happened a little bit more organically and a little more naturally because they weren't connecting to a call to action or a little blurb on a bulletin. They were connecting to a person. And when that happens, people are much more, uh, that's, why, that's why we come to church. You know, we, we come to church to connect with other believers. And so uh, story is a really great way to do that. Yeah, and, and said that people give to vision, not to need. And so when we go, oh, we need, we need volunteers for this, or we need you to show up at this, we, need, we, we communicate that in the church a lot. We need, we need, we need, we need, we need. But when we tell a story, when we give vision, it's, you want to connect with this guy. You want to, because he's telling the vision of what he has for his life. He, he feels like God has given him skills and abilities, which he has, and he's being able to use us. And you want to like, go shoulder to shoulder and, and march this out with this guy because of the vision, not because of the need. And like he said, we didn't mention we need once in that video, but because of the vision people gave of themselves. Idea number, th uh, the third idea under Stories Connect is we all have a story and most of us want to share it. And it's amazing what will happen that I've found over and over again. I was telling Brandon and Sean this today, but when, when I'll go on these interviews and put a camera down and start asking people their stories, we sort of live in a day and age where we're pretty transparent, where we kind of tweet, Facebook status update, whatever else, kind of what's going on in our life. We're used to sort of telling our story, and we watch a lot of TV, we watch a lot of Netflix, whatever else, and so you put a camera in front of people, and it's amazing sort of the media training that we all have because we just watch this sort of stuff. And so everyone has a story, and there's this sort of phenomenal human need to really, to really understand it. And so my job as sort of the director of putting it together is if you want to do stories like this, this is what I'd say. There's a structure for every story, every one of these type of stories that you should show. Here's the structure. The first one is, um, I call it context. And so it's like, who is this person and why do they matter? And so with Chris, it was like, hey, this is a guy. He's a high school athlete. He's very friendly on camera. And that was sort of his context for his story. The next one is crisis. If there's, a st if there's no conflict, there's no story. And so every story has to have some sort of crisis. And so for Chris, the crisis in that story was very, very apparent, which is, um, you know, he had the tragic, tragic accident. And so with, not only was that the crisis of the story, but then what led in the next portion of the crisis of the story was he talked about the pain he was in, being in rehab, all that sort of stuff. And then the third beat, here's, here's the mistake I've made when I first started doing these, was I would pick stories of people who were still in crisis. And if I could say one thing today that I want you to remember is don't pick stories of people who are still in crisis. Because I just did, I've done stories where we spent two weeks putting it together, this beautiful story of Dave and Nancy. They got divorced, but they just got back together, and they got together two weeks, and he did this amazing proposal, and they rededicated themselves, and then we finished the edit and everything else. We're ready to show it, and the marriage and family pastor calls and says, Dave and Nancy are getting a divorce again. We can't show that video. And I'm like, caca. <laughs> like, it's just so sad, and I can't believe it. And so the problem is, the mistake we made is their story was still in the middle of crisis. So if there's, a, if there's a crisis in the middle of people's story, you want to make sure it was given time. If Chris had just gotten out of that accident, that would not be the appropriate time to tell that story. So it's, you have to make sure we, we're beyond the crisis and to the victory. But Chris, like Brandon said, he's open with his story. He, he shares it, and he believes God gave me this, and this is part of my testimony. And so he lives in the victory of that. And so he's, he, you know, it's not... Uh, it's not like, hey, was healed this all better, whatever else like that, but he says, one thing he said to me when I asked, hey, can I share your story? Like, I just think you have such a phenomenal story. He's like, I want to share my story because my story is, if I can serve at New Life Church, anyone can serve at New Life Church. Yeah. And that's the victory of his story. And so, context, wh who is this story? Crisis and victory. Any one of these personal stories should have those three elements.
And it's one thing to look at the victory component from a PR perspective and go, oh, well, gosh, we don't want to look bad. It's another thing to look at it for caring for those people. Because you imagine the pressure that we're putting on people by placing them in front of hundreds or thousands of people and, and, and exposing their story that way. And if we're doing that in a way in which they're not prepared, then the add pressure of that may lead to their victory being more prolonged as opposed to when we've, we can celebrate that victory. Not only is it a safe win from a communication standpoint from the church, it's safe because we, we, we know that they're already healthy. Does that make sense? Yeah, and, and, uh, and so remember, most, most people want to share their story. The, the final idea on this point is um, find someone who can kind of communicate and articulate it. You know, some people are great at that. Some people, if you've ever been to that dinner party with that person who just kind of talks and talks and talks and talks, that makes it a little trickier to make it, make it the video into the story. We've also done some of these stories on Sunday morning, and so when that happens, we'll again find someone who's really articulate, and Pastor Brady will sit here kind of like this on stools and just ask them que questions and get them to share their story in that way, like we're watching the interview be filmed live. And so we've done that with just pictures on the back screen, and if you don't have a good video person or anything else like that, I still think bringing some stories up, showing some of their pictures, is it really, really connects people. Yeah, and the key to that is good mediation, obviously. Yeah, like, like really know how to ask questions and have the conversation. Um, final idea on this is stories, we kind of hit on this a little bit earlier, but stories give context to vision. And so like the Dream Center thing that I was talking about before, it'll really give context to the vision that you're trying to communicate. So a lot of times as pastors and leaders, we're like, oh, hey, this is what we want to do and this is important. We start charging ahead. But sometimes it's hard to really connect with what does that really mean and why does that really matter? And so for the last two to three years, we've really put a big emphasis here at New Life on connecting with the city and just local ministry, really getting to know uh, local leaders, getting to know nonprofits and just working with them a lot of times outside of the church, a lot of times even in events where the church hasn't been able to help out too much, but really just kind of fostering and building that relationship and spending a lot of time connecting with people in the city. Well, what that led to was us forming a relationship with the Red Cross Shelter and all of our staff getting Red Cross certified. And when that happened, uh, there was a fire that Pastor Brady mentioned last night, uh, the Black Forest Fire, and it was one of the most devastating natural disasters, I, I don't know, in, in my lifetime here, uh, right, right here up north. And so we were really able to tell the story and talk about how what happens when we give back and we pour into our community locally. So I want to show that video real quick. Uh, Derek, if you can cue that one up. This is a video that we showed the week after the Black Forest Fire of what happened here at New Life. Tuesday, June 11th, less than one year after the Waldo Canyon Fire, Colorado Springs was struck again with the devastation of a wildfire. New Life Church served as one of the first official Red Cross shelters, helping evacuees within hours of leaving their home. No, I think it's incredibly important for the church to respond, and especially when people are vulnerable, uh, or when they're in a tough spot. Uh, it's really a reflection of our character, how we respond to people in those moments, and the church has to respond, because we aren't just about caring for our own people, but we really care about our city, and how we care for our whole city reflects what we think about God. The Jones family was evacuated during the Waldo Canyon fire last year. They decided to take part in New Life Church's Red Cross training in case there was ever a chance to help during an emergency. Little did they know how quickly that chance would arrive. We got the call that, you know, the Black Forest fire had started. Our, our, it brought back many, many memories. And we knew we were in a place this year where we could jump in and help and we wanted to do that because we wanted to minimize the pain for others that we felt last year. There were a few people that would just come in and they would just say, hey, I just really need someone to pray with um, because I don't know if I, we're in this state of not knowing right now. We don't know if our house is still there. We don't know if our house is gone. I just, we just want somebody to pray with. And a few of them said, hey, I mean, I've never prayed with anybody before. I'm not a Christian, but I just feel the need to pray with someone right now. And it was just powerful to see people that may not have known uh, God, but in their time of need still feel that, you know, attraction towards him. And so that was, yeah, really nice. <laughs> Many families were evacuated. 
and some, like Kevin and Becky Morehouse, learned what a few days before seemed unthinkable. They had lost their home. Well, when we first heard that we lost our home, it was, it was pretty difficult because that house for us was, it was not an easy thing to get into. Our kids were real instrumental in us building that place. When we built that house, our kids helped to stain the, the trim. Um, they helped us install the doors. We were up till all hours of the night. Putting tile. Putting tile in, and we had friends that, that came and helped us put that tile in. So it wasn't just a house. It was, it was, uh, it's our home. It was our home. <laughs> then you get the outpouring of love from all your friends. So it's like you, and mm. you know, I told Pastor Brady that that uh, I couldn't keep my phone charged because I had so many people calling us up. Everybody was saying, "If you need, if you need anything, let us know. If you if you need a place to stay, let us know." And it's just, and and uh, the outpouring love, mm -hmm. the outpouring of love was just amazing. That the outpouring, the text messages, the prayer support, the the hugs and the offers of uh, meals, that's what let us know that we're gonna be okay. The bottom line is people are vulnerable. And when we have an opportunity to meet people in that place, uh, it's an incredible privilege that we don't often get. So I got to meet with people throughout the evening that were checking in 1, 2, 3 a.m. who I, I would have never met otherwise and uh, get to know their story, get to know them as a family. And I think, uh, although we wouldn't wish it on anyone, we also uh, believe it's a real privilege to get to connect with them. I just think it's such a blessing to be part of a church that doesn't just say, we're gonna be on the front line when people need us, we, we are actually there. And within an hour of, of people being evacuated, we had set up a shelter, so if I can just play any small role in that, uh, if we could play any small role in that, I mean, that's just a huge blessing and to give back to the people who really need it. I think what was really special about the New Life Shelter was there was absolutely hope there. I mean, when people came in, to have the pastors and senior leaders just kind of surround them in prayer, I mean, God was definitely in the shelter. The Lord was so faithful, and our, our church family and our church body, it was incredible to watch them just seriously come together and, and do the small things and the big things. It was amazing. We really want to thank New Life Church and the community who came together to volunteer and serve during this time. Uh, it made a tremendous difference in people's lives and it's such an important time. So for all of you who made the shelter a reality and really created a space that was welcoming, warm, and embraced people in our city, we thank you. So that was, a, that was a tricky one, one just to put together in uh, such a short time. I think I said it was one week after, it was two weeks after. And two, what I was talking about before of like, when is the victory? You know, when are we in victory? This was a tricky one because the community, I mean, we've, we still have new lifers. 500 and what was it, 40? Something like that. Homes, some, some, somewhere in that ballpark. Uh, were lost, and many new lifers lost their home. It was just kind of right up northeast there, and so um, a lot. So it was it was still pretty raw and pretty tender uh, when we showed this video. But this video was also kind of part of the healing process. It was something of like, you know what, we were down. This was difficult, but um, we're going to make it. We're going to go forward. And part of what makes it is we have a church family who takes care of each other, who connects each other, and. Uh, provides for each other. And so, and th really the moment that uh, made it hit for me in this video was, that was Kevin Morehouse with his wife Becky, the, the blonde 
lady on the couch, and he's our technical director here, and so he lost his home. We were actually filming at his house the week before for a small groups video, and so uh, we were just out there riding dirt bikes. His he's like, hey, come out, come out, bring your kids camping out here, just kind of beautiful forest uh, area, and he lost his home, and so I, I texted him, and I said, hey, are you going to be all right? Are you going to make it? And he's like, Rob, this is really tough, but we have a church family here. And that's gonna, what's going to let us make it. And so I thought just kind of hearing that was healing uh, for all of us. And, the, and again, I talked about the context was kind of the fire. The crisis is when you talked about different people sort of coming for prayer. And you, you heard Kevin and Becky uh, talk about losing their home. But the transition to victory was that moment where they said all the phone calls, all the offers for help, that's where we knew we were going to be okay. We lost our home. We loved it. This is not easy to lose but there are bigger, more important things that we're surrounded by and reminded by every single moment uh, since we've lost it. And so that was the thing. And so these can be, uh, these stories can also be healing. And, uh, and I mean, I'm speaking as someone who's creative director at a church who's gone through some, some real wounds. Another story that we just produced um, in December was it was a five-year anniversary of a shooting that we had here at New Life Church. Some of you may or may not know about it, but uh, family was out. It was a Sunday, December 9th, uh, 2007. Family was loading up their family in the minivan. A shooter came onto the campus, and a father lost um, two of his daughters, and he was shot as well. And so had him tell the story. And that was one of the most difficult interviews I've personally ever had to do is like, okay, tell me your story. But for him, what I realized was as he was telling his story, this was healing. He, wa he didn't want people to forget what happened. He wanted them to know about Stephanie and Rachel and how am what amazing girls they were. And so for him, it was healing. And for us as a church, to sort of heal hear his story and see his story and the way that he shared it was very, very healing, even in the most difficult situation that I've ever been a, uh, had to deal with in a local church. Yeah, and th the scripture talks about the idea in Revelation that, um, that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And I don't, I don't want to get too far out on that, but basically I think the idea there is that when we tell our story about what God has done in our lives, it somehow makes that more available to people. It says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And when, we hear, when we hear what God has done in someone else's life, then we, that sparks hope in us. That sparks the idea that, okay, maybe, maybe if it worked for them, then maybe I can be okay. Maybe that can happen. And that's ultimately, that's what our job is, right? We're, as, as communicators, whether we're whether pastors, we're worship leaders, communications directors, wherever we're at in that spectrum, our job is to communicate the gospel as clearly and effectively as possible and to bring hope to people who don't have it. That's good. So a uh, final big idea is we talked about individual and sort of more personal stories. We're now going to a more communications perspective, which is your church's story. What's your church's identity? And uh, the big idea here is your story is your brand. Your story is your brand. And so uh, people talk about branding, and there's a lot of confusion of, like, what exactly that means. So Brandon Shoup is our marketing guru, and he's going to give our, our refresher on what we mean when we're talking about branding. Yeah. And, and, you know, we hear terms like marketing and branding and stuff, and it's sort of weird. It muddles things in the church. We just actually just changed my title to communications director from marketing director because it saves me five minutes of explanation before I tell people what I do every time. And, um, and, the, the sim and I went to school, I was a New Testament major, and then I was in advertising and marketing for several years after that. And people would kind of look at me like the RCA dog, like, what, what do you mean? You went to, you studied theology and now you're an advertising guy? But really the bottom line is it's the same skill set. You're taking a specific message and you're making it relevant for a specific group of people, right? That's all we're doing. And so when we talk about branding, we use these terms because because people understand them, particularly in the business world. But the idea of the brand is, the brand is not what you want it to be, okay? The brand is not who you want to project to be. The brand is what other people think about you. It's, it's top of mind, it's immediate. As soon as someone says, New Life Church, there is a brand in our city about who we are. And, and the irony, that, like, like Rob was saying, we've gone through some difficult things, the shooting, we had a scandal a couple of years before that, and so we've, or a year before that, and, um, and so we, our church has a brand in our community, whether we like that brand or not. And, and part of well, the reason that we've been reaching out into the community because it's the right thing to do is we feel like that's what God is calling us to do as a church. The byproduct of that is that we're reshaping our brand. Our brand is our story. Our brand is not, I, I, 
I worked for, uh, for a company that worked with thousands of churches, and I've, I've literally worked with thousands of churches over the years, and I've seen this story over and over and over again, where we project something that we want the community to think that we are, and then we don't understand why people don't join our church in droves. It's because when we project a certain image, and then they come to our church and they get something else, then there's an immediate disconnect that takes place. And what we want to do is we want to make sure that we're, we're, we're not creating disconnects, we want to create continuity. And Pastor Brady talks about an idea, I love this idea, is that whatever you bring people to church with is what you're going to have to use to keep them there. And so we use slick marketing and try and say, hey, we're the cool church and we're this and we're that, but if we don't do that well, then people are going to come once or twice, maybe three times, and they're going to go, ah, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. But if we do it instead, we do a better job of just accurately portraying what God is doing through our church, then we're just telling the truth. It's amazing what happens when you tell the truth. So the idea that, um, I, I can't say that enough. When I, I, was at a, I was at a church for a while uh, where I was a communications director, and, um, and I didn't realize this sort of right away. Hindsight is a beautiful thing. But I realized shortly into the process that we were trying to say, hey, this is who we are. But what, what we really meant is we want you to believe this is who we want to be. And, and so we, ha we couldn't figure out why, why the congregation would kind of get excited for a minute and then peel off on initiatives. And we couldn't figure out why we couldn't do an, an effective capital campaign. We couldn't figure out why people weren't giving, to this, giving their time and energy and resources to the next deal that we were doing. It's because they just didn't believe what we were saying because we'd been saying we're this when we were actually that. And so that's really the key is just tell the truth. Um, how many times have we, over the years, gone to a conference, got all excited about, you know, a, a new light structure or a new uh, song idea or a new way of teaching, and then we come back and we try to do exactly that in our church, in our context, and, and it falls flat because we're trying to, it's sort of like David putting on Saul's armor. We've got to be comfortable in our own skin. We've got to do, who, do what we are and who we are, and if we'll do that well, if we'll seek to just serve the Lord as well as we can in our community and then communicate about, about what has happened as opposed to what we hope will happen, then we'll find that that brand disconnect doesn't happen. So kind of to piggyback off that, um, Steve Jobs talks about how creative steal, and he, he encourages, he says, all creative people steal, so it's, good I, it's a good idea to steal. So Brandon wanted to call this next point kind of encouraging you to steal. I can't do that for two reasons. One, it breaks one of the Ten Commandments. Two, it, uh, it isn't exactly accurate. Uh, what we're looking to do is when you steal something, it's like, hey, I saw this at another church, or I saw this at a concert, or I saw something like that, and I'm going to try to do that exact same thing. It's kind of like I don't want to beat this up, but it's like the, the shirt that has the Coca-Cola logo, and it just says Jesus, and that's it. it the only difference is... It, it says Jesus instead of Coke. There's nothing original. There's nothing fresh. There's nothing they made it their own. They're just kind of parodying something. And we don't, wanna, we don't want church to be a parody. And so what you can do, though, and what anyone who's creative does all the time is to get inspired. Inspiration is important. And so you, what you come to conferences for is not, oh, I'm going to steal this idea and do the kind of crowbar it into our church and do it the exact same way. It's just like, oh man, that inspires me. That wouldn't quite work here the way they're doing stories, but what if we did this and this and this, and that's, that's another great way to do it. And so you want to fit it uh, into who your church is, and certain things are going to play at different churches, and they're just, they're going to play in different audiences. And we're kind of, um, we're, uh, we're used to having a bunch of uh, channels of cable where we switch by and we kind of have different experiences on all the different ones of the channels and some shows would work on some networks and some shows w wouldn't work on other networks. And we won't, don't want to turn it into crass marketing of like do this and this is what will work and whatever else, but your church is a certain community and in certain, in certain homes, if you walk into people's houses, in certain homes it's that home where you kind of take your shoes off and everything's kind of behind glass and like a museum and very antique and other homes it's like smells like buffalo wings as soon as you walk in and everyone's joking and goofing around whatever else and so you have to and both those homes are great but you have to know what kind of house you're you're in and what kind of house your church is and once you know that you can take ideas be inspired and kind of uh, create something that will work well within your church and that's what 
uh, video announcement systems, that's bulletin ideas, that's web pages. But if you just take a web page and it's like, ooh, I like how that looks, and just steal it and make it your web page, it's not going to translate and you're not going to know why. But the reason why is because you're being lazy. Because you're just taking something and slamming it on. And I'm saying you're being lazy as someone who has been lazy. I'm preaching to myself. Because I know there are sometimes deadlines and you just have to do it. But the lazy work, it just it doesn't work. It, it just In the long term, it just doesn't work. And so what does work is you look at four or five different websites. You find different things that you like. And then you say, okay, how are we going to craft that? We're inspired now. We have some good ideas. How are we going to craft that into the best possible website that works for our church that will communicate who we are? And so that's the big, big idea there. And so you want to build your brand around who you are and communicate who you are. Yeah, that idea of being comfortable in your own skin. And um, we, 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 we're in the middle of this. Like I said, we're we're in sort of an unintentional rebrand effort right now. We didn't sit back in a meeting and go, oh man, we need to, we need to change who we are. We need to recommunicate who we are. What's happening is that we're reengaging in the city in a way that we haven't in several years. What's happening is that different ministry departments are naturally gravitating toward what God is doing, and we see sort of a singularity of ministry taking place. And because of that, because of that sort of ecumenical, community-focused mentality, we are having a rebrand. So now it's our job as, as creative communicators to say, okay, how do we do that well? How do we tell the story about what God's doing here? And, um, and so New Life Stories is one of the things that we do. One of the ideas that we're, we're batting around right now and trying to figure out how to do is, is how do we scale that into sort of a for lack of a better term, into sort of a campaign. And so we've got the New Life Stories, which we'll play on Sunday mornings. They're available on our site, those sorts of things. And then um, we're also talking about just showcasing the different types of people that go to New Life Church. So um, if you don't know New Life and you live in Colorado Springs, you probably think it's a bunch of, like, suburban white people that, um, you know, that had a shooter or had something go on there a few years ago. And I don't really know. They're kind of weird, charismatic people or whatever. But as you see what's really happening, then we, and we've got our downtown campus, and, and our downtown campus has a very different demographic than this campus. So the campus downtown is younger, it's, um, it's young marrieds, it's hipsters, it's more urban people, it's more um, politically liberal than it is up here. So there are some differences there from that and from our main Sunday morning services. And then you, you contrast that with our main Sunday morning and then our Sunday night prayer and worship service. There's some different people that go to each of those. And obviously there's always going to be a spectrum of people wherever you are. You can't, there's no such thing as a monolithic church. But, but we want to begin to highlight those things. And Sean, our art director over here, came up with a fantastic idea. There's, um, there's a Facebook page called Human Beings of New York. Has anybody seen that before? Um, it's super cool. It's this guy, he's like a photographer, and he goes around to, uh, we'll, we'll get that up in a second here. He goes around New York, and he just takes a picture, and he'll either ask someone a question or, um, or just get a quote from them. And just the, the sort of the variety and the spice of life that you can, obviously New York is a very diverse place, but we want to start beginning to take those ideas and then continue to translate that so that so you've got sort of a cohesive idea. What is that? What are we saying? We're saying this is the story of new life. This is the people of new life. This is what God is doing here. But we're able to do that through different channels and be able to tell that story in multiple ways. Can you scroll through some of those, Derek? And so you can just kind of see there's just a picture of a person and it says there's just kind of a sound bite or thing and so yeah, I love like the Hasidic family there's a there's an African-American gentleman that's like this guy I love this quote is something like scroll up a little bit Derek actually my philosophy is if you like yourself everything around you fall into place so just those kind of things like what do, what do you believe about new life what do you believe about what God's doing in your life who are you what do you do those sorts of things telling those individual stories gives you some depth of field uh, about who the people in your church are and, and you've got lots and lots and lots of stories in your church right now. And I think what you'll find, I think what we're finding is that regardless of the, uh, the, the diversity of people's lives, whether it's socioeconomically or ethnically or educationally, whatever, we find that there's all those differences. But when we boil it down to who they are and why they're here is that God's done, done something in their life. And when you start to put all those things together, you see a more sort of comprehensive, but at the same time, cohesive story about what God is doing in your church. And the other thing that 
Oh, <laughs> he took it down. Uh, the other thing that I like about that is um, we're going to take kind of the similar idea of taking photos and really uh, telling each individual story of a person. And, um, and the thing with us as a church is like, uh, when it's New York, it's like there's all these different people, but they're so still quintessentially New York. There's something quintessentially New York about them. So we're going to find people who are like, okay, this kind of represents a person that you may see on a Sunday morning. This represents a person you may see at the downtown campus. This represents a person that you may see at the mill. And they're all very different. They're different ages. They're, different, they're dressed differently, different demographics, different everything, but there's still something quintessentially new life about them. And so we want to tell that story and again, which is a church, all we are is just a collection of people coming together. And so we're, you're finding, we're bringing this up because this is something that we're still in process of like, okay, how do we do this and kind of tell that story? And so we're more closer to the stealing side of things than the inspiration side right now, but we're, we're kind of having active meetings talking about that. And is there a way to take this idea and make it our own and something that would fit in new life and not just cutting it and pasting it? Um, so, so those are some of the big ideas, but we want to make sure we gave some time uh, for you to ask questions. We know in the communications uh, creative area, there can be a lot of different questions and issues that uh, you face. And so just uh, want to ask you, brave enough, any sort of questions about anything that we've talked about or anything else? Yes. That's a phenomenal question. Chris Cordero actually knows everybody, so we just ask him. <laughs> I, I, uh, I try to get to know different people on our staff, and I'm constantly saying, like, hey, um, tell me if there's a story that's going on in your area. Tell, like, uh, Colin Willis, who's our military pastor, I was just kind of hanging out with him before one of our staff meetings, and he offhand kind of told me, like, um, hey, uh, there's this family, their whole, like, the dad was deployed sort of immediately, and the, the youth ministry really rallied around them, the youth pastors met with them, and just kind of was there, their dads, while their dad was away. And I was like, that's a great, we live in a very military town, so I was like, that's a great story. So then I went and called them and kind of had, so I called them and vetted them a little bit, to be honest, like, I wanted to make sure they could be articulate enough before we had a full camera crew. So it just took 15 minutes, gave them a phone call, kind of talked about it. They were so expressive, so interesting, so articulate with their story. I'm like, this will really work, and it'll work well. We've had this, I actually tried to make a system about it one time, where I was like, okay, this month we'll do a story about the youth ministry, this month we'll do a story about the women's ministry, and it was awful. And it was just, it was something that it just, I wanted to make it more systematic, and it just didn't work. And so I'm always just kind of a scout. I'm a journalist, and just kind of, asking around and kind of hearing different stories and just kind of doing it a little bit more relationally. Um, but someone who's more systems-minded than me may be able to find a great system. But, I, but the biggest thing that I make sure is I hear the story before, like I hear them tell the story before we invest all the time in producing it. Yeah, and I think the question, the key is asking. And the systematic component to that is that, I mean, that we talk about like that, the term organic is super buzzy right now, right? So everything has to be organic and not systematized. But I've never seen a blade of grass grow into a tree. I've never seen a tree grow into a frog and so on. The, even if something is organic, that doesn't mean that there's not a plan to it. There's not a system that's behind that. And so sort of our system is asking. Our system is making sure that we, and this is a, there's, this is a big staff. So. Um, so what we're trying to make sure that we're doing a good job of is that, that we're in the lives of other department leaders. We're in the lives of what's going on. So Rob's just sort of randomly around. We've got a couple people that communicate specifically with different departments, and we try to do that on a regular basis. So we know what's going on in their area. We know events. We know that kind of thing. But then beyond that, hey, so I'm glad you have that event. Can you tell me about something that God did there? Um, can you tell me about some, you know, give me the stories about what's exciting, not just, not just the thing. I, and Rob said it earlier, and I think it's beautiful, is it's, it's not about the how or the what, it's about the why. And if we get the why, like the, the, the core of why this is happening, what's really going on there, then the rest of it sort of takes care of itself. But yeah, the key is really just asking questions and making sure you're being connected and communicating with everybody on your staff. Communicating with people, finding a time to shoot at their house, takes longer than it should. Maybe it's just me, but it just takes longer than it should. So I, I usually have two or three in the queue, just kind of like on deck of like, okay, well, love your story. Would you be open to sharing it sometime? Great. Well, we'll, we'll get you dates soon, but we'll just kind of keep it out there. Uh, other questions? Yes, sir. 
Awesome. <laughs> this has been podcast, right? <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> it's perfect. We love Pastor Brady. He's awesome. No, uh, the relationship that we have is we have a few channels. One is um, we have the staff meeting where he's always kind of talking about things. When we, uh, at the beginning of the year, I had a meeting with him, and he said, I really want to focus uh, 2013 on this story idea and doing these sort of mini documentaries. And so, he, you know, he and I have a great relationship. He kind of uh, emphasized that to me, and so that was great. We also have a weekly service planning meeting where we talk about just kind of the elements, videos, songs, all that sort of stuff that's going in the uh, meeting. And usually that meeting is where we'll kind of uh, at the end of it, I'll say, hey, we're working on this, or can we present this new uh, new life graphic that we're going to do, or whatever else. So that's kind of how it is. And um, every leadership t style is very different, and so some people are more micromanagey and want to know every step of the way. Uh, Pastor Brady's very much like, this is the vision, this is the bullseye, you're the creative, like, you hit that bullseye. But I don't want, I'm not going to tell you the best way to do it. I just want you to know, like, stories, Rob, you tell me the best way to tell stories of the people in the church. And so I made that recommendation. He's like, great, run with it. So there's those regular things. And then like with, like with this, with this conference, there's an event team that we put together for that. And then we'll meet with the executive team or with Pastor Brady when we need to get input and say, okay, you, this is what you're saying you want the conference this year to be like. How do you feel about this theme? How do you feel about this look? You know, and, and, and most of the time he's like, oh yeah, it's great. Go for it. Um, but if he's got tweaks or changes, then we obviously we want to honor him because he is our senior leader. So, um, so again, it comes back to, we talk about communication, and oftentimes that gets lumped into what do we say to the people of our church or what, is, what do we say to the people outside of our church, but those things don't happen well unless we have good communication internally as well and making sure that we're touching base on a regular basis and making sure that those relationships are strong and healthy. What I found is like, you know how on your anniversary you really want to, get that special surprise for your wife or your husband or something like that, and it's so meaningful and special, it's the opposite with senior pastor. Surprises are horrible and bad. <laughs> Do not have surprises, okay? <laughs> so uh, surprises just mean, oh, I didn't know this was happening. Oh, that, I didn't, you know, like, especially on a Sunday morning, that's when surprises are disastrous, okay? So there should be lots of, Pastor Brady is very big on communication, so once we land on something, it'll just be, we have a deadline, and like, okay, I'll shoot him an email, uh, or whatever else, or um, of, hey, this is the final, like, once we have the final version of the story, he already knows it's coming up, but I just send him the Chris Cordero story and say, hey, does this make sense? Are you following with it? Anything you want to tweak or change? And so, he, and again, just bring him in on the process, and it makes life better for both of us. So maybe one more question, and we want to honor your time so you can get to next sessions and get a break and go to the bathroom. Is there any more This is kind of the best session, though, so I don't know. Right. I mean, you can stay hang out with us. But. Uh, that's a great question. Mostly what we do is, uh, what's that? Oh, uh, what kind of drama uh, do we do in our special services or uh, Sundays? On Sundays, we'll mostly do video if we're doing something dramatic. Uh, we won't usually do, do live sketches or whatever else, but we do do a really big Christmas show called Wonderland, and we've uh, done it as a show, and we've uh, put it in our service as well. And it's kind of, um, I don't know the best way to describe it. It's like a variety show, but it tells the story thematically. And so it tells the story of uh, love, sort of the love that happens on Christmas between like the love of a couple or the love of a family. Like Christmas is just, it just feels like love on Christmas. Joy, joy is the opening of present on Christmas morning. And so we kind of do uh, sketches and big numbers that tell that. And then the final one is hope, the hope of the manger. And so we tell the story of the manger. And then we do something here called the thorn uh, every Easter, which is a big show that we do the weekend. Let me, let me brag on Rob a little bit here on this one. So the thorn, I moved back to Colorado Springs in 2005, I want to say, and Rob was finishing uh, film school at UCLA and flying back to do Thorn rehearsals, for, which is our Easter production. And I was like, hey, bro, let's get together while you're here. He's like, great. And I was like, tell me, tell me about the Thorn. I haven't been here in a couple of years. What's it like? He's like, well, I think the best way to describe it is a cross between Mel Gibson's The Passion of the Christ and Cirque du Soleil. And I was like, mm-hmm. 
sure it is. Um, I just was like, yeah, whatever. And then, and then I ended up being in it and helping direct some of the things in it as well. And the best way to describe it is a cross between the Passion of the Christ and Cirque du Soleil. We have Cirque du Soleil, Cirque du Soleil people come out and help with some of our acrobatics. I mean, this is, this is a Broadway-level production that, that, that Rob and John have put together over the last several years. Um, it, at times, up to upwards of 50,000 people will see it a year. It's really an incredible production, and it's due mostly because of his brain. So. Yeah, John Bullen is the executive producer. He's kind of the brain's child. We partner on it, and... Uh, Really, it's all the same principles. And to me, uh, what we talk about the most is the story of God is more than anything. We want people to experience that story. We don't want to just tell people about it. We want people to experience it. And I'm telling you, people come in off, off the streets or, you know, just, I, I don't know. I don't know how all these people come, but some of them clearly have not stepped, set foot in church in a long, long time. They're what I call, like, crossy guy, which is arms crossed, just kind of looking down, like grumbling, like muttering to themselves, and like, for the show, and you're like, hey, welcome to the show, they're like, you know, just that, and then after the show, you're like, uh, thanks for coming, how it was there, and it's just tears, and like, gruff, mean, angry men are just hugging me, and I'm just like, wow, I mean, it just moves them to tears, and so, uh, really using the, the, the idea of, um, there's no speaking, whatever else, it's all done through music, and, uh, I think we have DVDs somewhere uh, so you can really <laughs> see it. But, uh, but just fly out to Colorado Springs and see it, or we're doing it in Seattle and Jacksonville. We tour it to six different cities, uh, and it's, it's fun. So that's kind of our... We, but we don't do a lot of week-to-week drama stuff because um, we p- focus most of our energy on those big productions. Okay, well, if you have any other questions, uh, Brandon and I are here. That's uh, Tim DeMay, our video producer. Zach Newberg is our webmaster. And uh, Sean McCarthy is our graphics designer. And so uh, come talk to any of us. Thank you so much for coming. Thanks for being at the conference. Uh, See you soon.